Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Yes, hey, well, happy Sunday, October 4th. We are full in fall right now. I've got my fall shirt on. The orange is rocking. So, hey, welcome, 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 Church for All Nations family and those extended family, wherever you're watching from here in Pierce County, the great Pacific Northwest, or even across this nation. We have uh, servicemen and women that are stationed across the world that tune in every week too. So I want to say wherever you're watching from, uh, welcome. My name is Pastor J.F. Wilkerson. It's such an honor to be a part uh, of your worship experience today. Hey, I got to shout out my wife. Happy birthday, my love. 40 never looked better. So uh, happy birthday. I love you so much. Your kids love you so much. And uh, I'm believing this is going to be the best year, the best year uh, that you've had. And so I'm excited about that. We're going to be celebrating you today. And then you and I, tomorrow, we're going to be hanging out. So happy birthday. You know, um, we're going to start a brand new series today. But, you know, I just want to, before we get to that, I want to also say one more thing. There's a there's about every five years where my father, who is my hero, my best friend, about every five years, we become hardcore enemies, okay? Today, my father, who lives in Miami, Florida, he is an enemy because Russell Wilson and the Seahawks have traveled 4,000 miles to win in Dade County, Miami, to beat the Dolphins. And so, Dad, I, you may, might be watching. I love you, but we're enemies today. We'll pick up where we left off tomorrow. And I think Elder Arnie Burheim, who's watching too, he's a big Dolphin fan. And the Dolphins actually are my AFC team, okay? So it's not that big a deal. But uh, anyway, I know you're going to be watching that game as well. But hey, we're starting a brand new series today entitled Stranger Stories, Stranger Stories. Maybe you've watched that show on Netflix called Stranger Things. Yeah, we stole some of their branding uh, because there's some stories in Scripture uh, that tend to get overlooked every once in a while due to their odd nature, if you will. But even those stories that are strange or weird or you go, I don't know why or how or what the purpose was is that that story got in the Bible. Hey, how many of you know that God has a plan and he's always talking and sometimes he uses strange, strange stories. You know, I, I think about the fact that every family has that, that crazy uncle, you know what I'm talking about? Or that wacky aunt where maybe you show up for a family gathering and everyone's just like, oh, I wonder what he's going to say this time, right? Every family's, you, you're, you're think, maybe you're sitting next to him right now. I don't know. But every, every family's got that person where it's like, oh, I don't know. I wish I didn't have to be around her for the holidays. But every once in a while, maybe you get that crazy uncle uh, off to the side and you're sitting alone with him or her. And every once in a while, they, they drop in one of those one of those nuggets, one of those thoughts. You're just like, that's it. And it like rocks your world. And you're like, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Well, maybe this could be for you for the next four weeks. These stories, as strange as they might come across, how odd they might be, there is something that the Lord wants you to hear. It's his voice. There's some applicable uh, principles that we're going to look to today. Before we get to that, though, I want to say this. If you're a follower of Jesus watching right now, I think it's so important from time to time to reflect and to meditate on what it is you as a Christian really believe. Let me give you an example. As a Christian, you believe that the Holy Spirit impregnated a, a, a teenage girl who would go on to give birth to the Son of God, who would go on to live 33 years where not one time would he make a mistake? Would he have a bad thought? Would he hurt someone's feelings? Would he commit any sin whatsoever? And during that time, he would teach on the kingdom of God. 
He would then be executed by the worst horrific way, crucifixion. He would die. He would be pronounced dead and buried for three days. And on the third day, he would resurrect. He would spend some more time on earth. And then eyewitnesses would watch him ascend into heaven where today he sits at the right hand of God and he's alive and he has relationship with you. And the action that he did on the cross was for your sins, not just your sins and your mistakes, but for all of humanity's sins he bore on that cross. And because of that, when you die, you get to spend eternity in paradise with him. Now, as I describe that to you, some of you in your man caves were shouting me down. Because when you hear that, that's not that odd for you. But let me remind you, that is a strange narrative for people who are unbelievers. It's just flat out weird. But here's the thing that's okay. <laughs> Let me just remind you, uh, strange is okay. Because if you're willing, or maybe you're not so willing quite yet, some of us are willing or, or, or we haven't thought about the reality that the scriptures contain all kinds of strange stories when we really start to peel back the layers, especially for those of us maybe who are considering Jesus or looking in to what the scripture says. So with all of that, here, here's, here's the phrase that I want us to use for the next four weeks. You'll see it right here. I'm going to put it on the screen. And the phrase is, embrace the strange. Okay, just, if you're taking notes, just write that at the top. Embrace, embrace the strange. Because there's a lot of strange, there's a lot of oddities that we read in scripture that still have so much biblical application for our lives. You know, my daughter Israel, she's nine, and she's just now getting into that phase, you know, the Harry Potter phase, all right? She's just now discovering Harry Potter, and her mom, you know, got her the, you know, the movies and the, the, uh, the books. Last night, she was reading one of the Harry, by the way, if you're anti-Harry uh, Potter, just shoot me an e email. I totally get it. I totally get it, okay? Um, but, uh, her, 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 she was reading Harry Potter uh, last night and, and, and this week. And I was, you know, preparing my sermon. And I was looking over this story that we're going to look to today. And I said, Izzy, do you like that Harry Potter story? She said, oh, I love it, Dad. And I looked at her and I said, you know what, Izzy? I like Harry Potter too. And I like those movies and it's fun watching that with you. But did you know that Harry Potter, that's just, that's a pretend story. It's a made up story with make-believe powers. She said, well, yeah, I know, Dad. I said, well, I just want to, re just re I want to remind you that that's just all pretend, right? Harry Potter flying around on the broom and with the wand and all. That's just for fun. That's all pretend. That's make-believe. But the story, honey, that I'm going to tell this Sunday is so real. It really happened, and it contains not just any real power, but the power of God. And she said, well, tell me more. And I said, okay, right? So I began to share with her and the story that I'm going to be sharing today from the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there today. And in fact, this first strange story, uh, that I want to lead off with today for this series. I just wanted to swing for the fences. So I just actually entitled it Baldy and the Bears. That, that might be the first time that that title's ever been used for a sermon in church. I, I don't know. Baldy and the Bears. You say, man, can you at least like be spiritual somewhat? I'm getting there, right? But let me give you a little bit of context here. I, I I talked about power, power. And when you look to the first two books of Kings, in 1 Kings, you'll read about a prophet named Elijah. And by the way, just for some more context, a prophet in the ancient world, a prophet of the God Jehovah, the God of Israel, 
The prophet's job was to literally be the mouthpiece of God. So whenever a prophet would speak, when you read in the Old Testament, where you read the different prophets throughout all of the Old Testament of the Bible, the prophet's main job was to get information downloaded from heaven, from God, and it was God's voice through the prophet's mouth. So because of that, everybody, the Israelites, including her enemies, their ears were always perked up. Because when the prophet spoke, it meant God had something to say. So when you read in 1 Kings, you read about this prophet named Elijah, who was a crazy man, by the way. If you, if you want to read, read about a dude who was just cra- he did crazy, he wasn't afraid of anything. He said whatever God told him to say. He didn't fear any old enemy king, no matter what. He, he just said it, right? Elijah. And Elijah had a successor by the name of Elisha. And and Elisha is who I want to talk about today. But to give you a little bit of context of what's going on here, in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah, some of you who who study the word, remember the story of the prophets of Baal and and, and how the prophet Elijah said, hey, you build an altar, you, you pagan prophets of Baal, for your God. And I'm going to build an altar to our God. And I'll let you go first. And I want you to call on your God to rain fire from heaven and to to take the offering to your God. And so you can read it in uh, 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 1 Kings chapter 18. And and the prophets start, and they cut themselves and they did all this stuff. And all day long, they tried to get the prophets of Baal, or excuse me, the the God Baal to, to, to take this take their offering, and by the end of the day, after uh, prophet Elijah said, hey, maybe Baal's out to lunch. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's on vacation. As the prophet Elijah mocks the prophets of Baal, they they finally quit, and you can read the story where he goes on and prays to the God of Israel, and and, and the fire is ignited. There's so many stories like that. Talk about real power. And, and, And right before Elisha enters the scene, the two of them are, are on a road and they, they head to the, to the Jordan River and through a series of, of events, the Jordan River opens up at the word of, of the prophet Elijah. They get to the other side and in that moment, they're there in Jericho. The, the uh, scripture says that a chariot that's on fire with, with horses and, and riders comes down and the word says, you can read it in, in 2 Kings, right at the beginning there, that Elijah was taken off planet earth by this supernatural experience of these chariots that were on fire, takes it up into heaven. You talk about real power, right? And that's where, that's where this story begins. Elisha has now received a double portion of the mantle that the prophet Elijah carried. It's now transferred to Elisha. And that's where this part of the story Begin. Second Kings chapter 2, starting in verse 23. This is a strange, a strange story. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was a lot walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. Another translation says, mocked him, insulted him, made fun of him. And here's what they said. Get out of here, Baldy! What? Get out of here, Baldy! Look what happens in verse 24. Elisha, he turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Doesn't stop right there, though. Then, someone shout then, then two bears came out of the woods and mauled, ah, mauled 42 of the boys. And he went on to Mount Carmel and from there returned to Samaria. (laughs) What? Happy Sunday to you. Today we're talking about some Sunday school kids, (laughs) right? Who made fun of their Sunday school teacher and he got mad and some bears came out and mauled their faces off. Woo! Talk about strange. 
What a wild, a wild thing. Now, as I was reading this story today, <laughs> I was thinking about just how wild this story is. Here's this prophet named Elisha. And he's just, he's just started out his pastoral ministry, if you will. And he just finishes a miracle that takes place where he turns dirty water into clean water. And he's heading on his way and these, these young boys come out and they start making fun of him. And the scripture says that he looks at them and sends a curse down from heaven and bears come out and they maul this, these kids. Hey, Baldy, Baldy, get out of here. Now, you can only hope <laughs> that the prophet Elisha was able to put up for it for a second. But something takes place here where it literally overtakes him. And he, he freaks out and he sends this curse down. And due to that curse, bears come out and they maul these kids. I wonder, uh, have you ever done something where you thought you were getting, getting a small reaction, but instead you get a really big one? I mean, I can remember one time my brothers and I, we grew up here in, in Tacoma, on the west side of Tacoma, and I can remember we used to play on, on the, the cliffs here in Tacoma. Maybe you've been to Point Defiance. or Anyway, we used to climb up and down the cliffs that faced Gig Harbor, and we'd build all kinds of forts and everything. And my, my brother Rich and I had been going at it for like the entire day, and all, this, all of our neighborhood friends were with us and we were climbing up and down this this cliff and we were just at each other at each other and I got to a place where my brother was he, by the way he always kind of he always usually wins the tease wars you know he, he always kind of tops me on I'm like oh man and, and and we still do it to this day but we are kids and I'm older than him and I can remember we were climbing up this bank right over here on the west side of Tacoma and I had I was at the top and I was and as my buddies were coming up I was helping them you know what I'm talking about get to the very top. And so they were climbing up and I just would pull them up like this. Well, it got to my brother, okay? And he's like, reaches up, you know, to, for my hand. And he reaches up and I grab it. And before I, you know, I did this, I did one of those, right? Just to kind of, you know what I mean? Just to kind of scare him. And I don't know what happened, but his hand like slipped out of mine. And it was like, remember the movie Cliff, Cliffhanger with Sylvester Stallone? It was like that moment, right? And it was like, it literally, everything went in slow motion. And he was like, and he was ah, and it was like, he's falling backwards. And I'm like, no, right? And my brother, thank God we weren't that high up, but he just went right back. And my brother rolled all the way down that sandy cliff there here in Tacoma. And I was like, we're all standing. I'm like, oh, and I was like, brother, are you okay? <laughs> he's like, I hate you, you know, and, and, we, we got over it. We got over it. But man, that's kind of like what happens here in this story. Here's Elisha. He's walking along. These young boys, by the way, if you were to peel back the, the really the layers of what that meant, they, they were probably more like young men come out and they're, 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 they're insulting the prophet Elisha. And I, I, if you read between the lines, he, he, I'm, I'm guessing he just wanted to yell at him, right? Just like, like, ah, right? Curse you, whatever. And when he did that, these bears come out and I'm sure he was like, God, I just wanted to yell back and you ended up thinking that I wanted all these kids mauled, right? And that's what I want to talk to you today for just a couple of minutes here. This word criticism. As followers of Jesus, as Christians, I don't care where you're at, you've all experienced being criticized from one time or another. I know I have. And the question is, like, what's the proper way, what's the proper way to handle criticism? Because like I just said, we all experience it. So I just want to give you a few thoughts today. Really, the word is some realities that we should remember from this story to aid us in our reactions to criticism. And the first thought that I have is, the faithful still have flaws. The faithful still have flaws. And notice how I specifically use the term faithful 
uh, rather than just saying everyone has flaws. And the reason why I, 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 I ch- chose to word it like that is because even those Christians, even those fo- followers of Christ who you admire, who you have so much respect for, they are flawed just like you. And what I want you to know today, just because someone is anointed by God doesn't mean they're perfect. So if you know that before you get to a place where they hurt your feelings or do something that wounds you, you'll be able to handle that so much better. And really the word is grace. You'll be able to extend the same grace that you would want for that faithful that faithful follower of Jesus that has hurt you. Don't put your hope in man because they will always disappoint you. Even the most well-meaning, godly followers of Jesus, leaders within churches, even, even the most godly, pure, wanting to do the right thing type of person, they're gonna make mistakes from time to time. And I've experienced this in my own life. You know, I, I, I t- whenever I preach, I, I, saw, I feel like I'm always trying to slip a story of my father in because my, my dad is my hero. And he, he's been such a great father to me and my three brothers. And pastor, uh, I'm talking, I don't think, I don't think my dad's ever sinned. Like, I, I mean, you know, you, know, you know those type of people where you're like, this person, I don't think he's ever said something mean to anybody in his whole life. You know what I mean? Like that's, I had so much to live up to, right? Because I know who I am, right? I'm a, I'm a mess, but my dad, man, I'm telling you, except for this one time. Um, I can remember, uh, remember the movie Home Alone where the whole family is late for their flight and they're running, they're running through the Chicago O'Hare airport. Our family reenacted that when we were kids. We were flying from the East Coast back to here to Tacoma and we had a connecting flight at Chicago O'Hare. And due to delays and weather and everything, we got to the gate like in Chicago and we had, to, we had this little window to connect with our flight back here to Seattle. And my dad, I, I'll never forget it. Like I can go there right now. I'm like, I'm like 11, you know what I mean? My little brothers are with me and my mom. And, and, and he says, let's go. And we're like, run, same scene. Like, you know the scene I'm talking about? They're running through Chicago here. We're doing the same, all of our bags and, you know, just run and 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 run. And I'll never forget, we're just, and we're just, come on, come on, guys. We're running, running, running. Everyone's, ah. And, and there's an elevator that you have to take down to get to the next terminal. You know what I'm talking about? And we, like, literally the elevator, I'm not making this up, is closing like this. And it was like, ah. And, like, my dad flew through and, like, right? And there's, like, there's like four other people in there. They're like, what in the world? He's like, sorry, you know? And we all pile in and ha, ha. And I'm, I'm, I, I do not, I'm not making this story up. The elevator doors close like this. And right when they close, all of a sudden the intercom comes on. And it says, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the flight to Seattle, the doors are closed and the, and, and the airplane is exiting onto the runway. And in that moment, my dad, who's never sinned, in his whole life, under his breath, said, oh, feces. But he didn't use the word feces. He used a different four-letter word that starts with the letter S. He said that under his breath. And me and my brother, even my, my mom, the babysitter that was with us, we were all like, Did he just say, and, and, and like, and he was caught. He was like, he was like ah, and I, I could just, j- just the, the, the remorse came over his face. He was like, ah, and I'll never, my, I'm, I bet he's watching right now. My dad, in the, the door hadn't even up in the alert. My dad got down. Guys, come here, come here, come here. Oh, come here. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have never, why would, that's a terrible word. Don't, and, and, and just like repenting and saying sorry over and over and over and over again. That's just, that's just who my dad is, right? And when I think about that, I was thinking about Elisha, this prophet of God, chosen by God, his mouthpiece to Israel and her enemies on mission. He's literally, it's like, it's his second assignment. He's, he's, Elijah has just 
handed the mantle down. In fact, when he received the mantle, he, it, it was like in a physical form, his cloak. He took Elijah's cloak and he goes back to the Jordan River and he hits the Jordan River and the Jordan River separates and he goes on his way and he realizes now that he has the power of God in him and the mantle of his his predecessor, Elijah, all over him. And in, 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 in a moment of emotion, he, he, he sends a curse. And, and there's consequences to that. And even in that moment, unlike my father, who got down on his knees and said, sorry, guys, Elijah, Scripture says that he just heads on his way. He doesn't stop to make sure that the, the kids weren't mauled too badly by the bears. He just kind of goes on his way. And I, I want to stop for a second here because I know there's somebody watching right now. Probably more than one. You're watching right now. And you say, JF, that's a, that's a cute, silly story of your dad. And it sounds like you had a, you, you've got a really good dad who, who continues to do everything he can for you as his son and your family. But you know, I, I, uh, I had an experience. Um, I had an experience in my life where, where I was hurt. I was hurt by someone who I thought was faithful, someone who was in church leadership. JF, as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking about a group of people that there was a church that I was connected to who said things about me, who hurt me, who did things to me. Some of you watching, maybe you experienced actual physical abuse and you're watching this right now and you say, you know what? I just thank God for live stream because of what happened to me within a church that I was a part of. There's no way I could set foot into the building that you're in right now because it's just too hard. And for that, I want to say on behalf of that leader or that faithful person or that church, I want to apologize on their behalf. Maybe to this day, they still haven't said sorry for what they did to you. And if there's any kind of way that you could experience some type of the healing that only the Holy Spirit has, maybe through just the, the words, I'm sorry, as a as a, as a church leader myself, I want to apologize on behalf of whoever that person or that institution was that brought you pain. We are sorry. And let me just go a little bit further. I'm with you because that happened to me. There was someone in my life who I looked up to, who I admired, who hurt me in a very, very, very deep way. And to this day, they still haven't said sorry to me. But I've had to let that go. Is, is the hurt still there? Of course it is. And my friend today, if you're carrying hurt, I want you to know the healing may take some time, right? But it starts with giving it, right? Giving it to God, right? So I wanted to say that because some of you carry that in your own life. And I was even reflecting on Solomon. This is so good. The wisest man to ever live, he said this in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Today, my friend, you have to be reminded that everybody has flaws, even the faithful. Those who you admire have flaws too. And when you begin to understand that, there will be an added extension of grace if you're willing to do that. Here's the second thought that I have and proper way of handling criticism because this, this, can, this can get out of hand pretty quick and we see it in this story. And that is offense can easily overtake. <laughs> right? Offense can easily overtake. Have you ever uh, experienced this in your life before where like you get offended, someone says something to you or you experience something and it's like so overwhelming for you in that moment that it overtakes you to the point where like nothing else seems to matter in the entire world except for that one, that one 
thing, right? And then sometimes that thing was just a complete misunderstandment. Uh, understandment. You know what I'm talking about? I remember, I know we're talking, it's Ashley's birthday, and I remember a, a few birthdays ago, uh, I was taking her out to eat. And you know, I've, I've referred back to my 2006 blue Subaru Tribeca that had 250,000 miles on it and, and uh, that I love that car. Praise the Lord, uh, the car has a new owner. But man, I loved that car for years, right? And it was powder blue, right? It was beautiful. It looked like a, the exact car that a 75-year-old retired senior woman would drive. That was my car, right? And I loved that car. And I can remember a few years ago, I was taking Ashley out to eat for her birthday. And I was going to take her somewhere nice. So we, we went to downtown Tacoma. Oh, yeah. You, you talk about living. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and we went to a, I won't mention the restaurant because I don't want to, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, but downtown, we're living high, you know what I mean? And uh, so, the, by the way, I'll, I'll give you this much information. The restaurant that we went to had a valet and not just a valet, you, you couldn't even park the car around the restaurant, like that high flying stuff, right? And we were dressed up and we're going to this nice restaurant, going to treat my my, my, my girl to happy birthday dinner. And, and I remember I pulled up and asked, where are you going to park? Oh, well, no, 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 there's no park. It was valet, right? So we're going to get up there. Valet? Yeah, it's your birthday, valet. So we pull up, right? And I open up the 06 uh, Fender kind of smashed in blue Subaru Tribeca and get out. And, and here comes the dude, the, you know what I'm talking about? Shorts, the khaki short valet guy. And he comes around. And I kind of do one of the like toss the key thing and I'll, I'll get you on the way out. You ever say that? I'll get you on the way out. I walk around the thing and uh, he's getting it. And I'm walking like this and he's, he's getting in. And, and, and right before he closes the door, I hear him say, nice car. And he closes the door and, and he drives. And in that moment, I, I, it just popped, I just was like, and I, and I thought, he was like, nice, okay. And I, I kept, and I, I walk in, and I go, Ash, did you just hear what the valet guy said? And she said, yeah, he said, he said, nice car. And I said, no, I think he said, nice car. And she's like, no, I don't, I don't think he said it like that. I think he said, nice car. And I said, no, he said, nice car. And I thought to my, I was like, man, why would that, does that guy even know that Subaru doesn't even make that model anymore? It's a, that's a beautiful car. And that guy just, nice car. And, and so the, you know, the, the, the nice girl at the front, hey, Mr. Wilkerson, here's your reservations. And I was like, okay. And we walked into the thing and sat down and we sat down. And I just was like, how, this is a nice restaurant. And, and they're bringing out water with limes and stuff and all the stuff. And, and I'm sitting, I'm just like, how could that guy, nice car, nice, really nice car. He, what are you talking about? What you mean? You, oh, and I just started going. And, and Ashley's like, what's going on? I'm like, that ballet guy, man. Nice car. Who does he think he is, man? I'm the one using the valet here. It is a nice car. And she's like, it wasn't. He didn't say it like that. Let me tell you, I spent the, the next hour, right? And the birthday cake, and I sat down. I was like, nice car, right? And I'm just like, the whole time, and we end the whole, I mean, it just overtook the whole, I wasn't thinking about anything other, nice car. And, and I remember we, we, we walked out and that same dude pulled up and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, get out of that thing. I'm going to confront you. So he gets out and I was like, hey, <laughs> hey man, I was wondering, uh, I heard you say something about my car when you buy, he's like, oh yeah, man, this is a nice car. I love Subarus. In fact, this is the model that they discontinued. I've been looking everywhere for this one. I love this car. And I was like, oh, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, of course, yeah. Hey, well, thanks, man. I told you I'd get you on the way out. Thanks a lot, man. He's like, yeah, man, treat her good, you know. Offense, man. I'm telling you, I, we, we need to do a whole series on offense because offense has the power at times to overtake you. And this is what happens to the prophet Elisha right here. Criticism comes his way. He doesn't, he doesn't properly handle the criticism. So offense is taken. When he takes the offense, there's a great book that we've studied here as a staff and with our eldership called Don't Take the Bait. He takes the bait. And in that moment, he reacts 
acts in a way that I can only imagine because I like to read scripture between the lines that when he got home that night, may have felt kind of bad about the kids getting mauled because he just got upset because someone said a bad thing about his hair, right? Offense can easily overtake. And I have four passages of scripture I want to confirm that thought with, and that is Proverbs 19.11. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory. Now this is hard to overlook to overlook an offense. Look at chapter 18, verse 19. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Wow. Wow. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Think about that imagery right there. It's powerful. This is what offense does. Ephesians 4, look at this, verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient and bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This is, I, I, we spent the last three, four weeks talking about what, is it, what are we called to do as believers? And Paul lays it out for that church in Ephesus. He says, do whatever it takes, right? The goal is peace. So we must live through humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. Meaning when you are offended, how you handle that offense matters. Look at this verse, James chapter 1, verse 19. Here's some more instruction. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Write, write this down. This is the instruction. Quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry. T take, if, you have a, if you have your actual Bible out, take a marker, a uh, highlight marker, and just and, and, and underline angry because in the original language, that word angry doesn't mean to get upset. It means passionate, impulsive vengeance. So, so the angry used in this context, if you look at the original language, it's not just an emotional experience one's having. It's the reaction after you've had that experience is, is what James is saying. Be careful, be careful, right? So offense can easily overtake. And here's the third thought that I have in handling criticism, those of us who are followers of Jesus. And that is, here it is, curses have consequences. Curses have consequences. Let's go back to the text from 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 24. Here's Elisha. Elisha turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. Listen, my friend, your words have power. Like, have you ever said something to someone and as it's left your mouth, you would, you would give everything to somehow reel that back in? What's that all about? It's the, it's the power of the words that come out of your mouth. They can do so much destruction. On the flip side, so much good. And that's why James says, dear brothers, sisters, you, you, you should take this seriously. Be slow. Well, what is he talking about there? Really consider the cost of what you're about to say. Is this really worth it? Another thought I have with that is even the thing you're about to say, maybe it's 100% true, but scripture is very clear about how we communicate truth has to be through the mouthpiece of love. And so often we pronounce truth and we do it without love. And the consequence is not only the person on the receiving end being offended, but them not even hearing the truth. And if there's a third consequence to that, 
It's you saying, I was just telling the truth. And then you begin to justify the mistake you made. And and I'm telling you, I feel like, (laughs) oh my word, I feel like the last six months, the the people that I've I've, uh, had the opportunity to counsel, a lot of it had to do with this right here. So I encourage you to be slow, be careful, to not become angry and enraged because curses have consequences. Look, look at this man. Solomon does such an uh, such a incredible job illustrating his thoughts. Proverbs 12, verse 18, and I, I, I use the English Standard Version because I love the imagery here. Solomon says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. Think about that picture right there. Maybe you know somebody. Maybe it's you. Who, when you say something, it, like it literally, whoo, right? Oh, ah, man. You, you know what I'm talking about? Solomon says, there is one whose rash words are like, sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I, I don't know if you're like me. That, that's, that's who I want to be. I, I want, I want, man, if I could, at the end of my life, someone came up on the stage and had something to say about JF, man, I'd, man, my, my prayer, hopefully, my prayer, that I, my pursuit is that that person would say, man, most of the time, because I'm not perfect, most of the time, what he said to me, was words of encouragement, words of healing. And I was even thinking about this week, one of the Ten Commandments. In fact, it's the third one that talks about not taking the Lord's name in vain, right? Well, I think sometimes when we hear that commandment, we think not taking His name in vain just in a profane way. But there's so many layers to that. And the other part of that equation is not just using his name in a profane way, but for selfish personal agendas as well. For, for evil. You know, so many evil things throughout history have been done in the name of God. That's why it's so, this is such a serious thing that it got into the Ten Commandments. Where God says, don't use my name in vain. Don't, don't, Don't use my name to cover for your selfish agenda or your your evil schemes because my name has the power to do things. You always, almost always hurt far more than you ever attended. And once again, as as I read between the lines this week, I had to wonder if this young prophet fully understood the power the power that was now on him, the power of that curse. It doesn't clearly say, but the one thing that we do know, and we need to do a series on the prophets, and we will do it, specifically Elijah and Elisha. Each prophet came with messages, but a lot of them had like their own themes. Elijah's was one of judgment and and, uh, turn or burn, if you will. Elisha's, this this is how he starts out, where he's all upset. But when you read the rest of the life of Elisha, he he, he was a prophet who was always sending a way out for the Israelites. He was was one of compassion, one of benevolence. And so something obviously began to happen in the way Elisha handled himself. And let me tell you this story. I read so many commentaries this week And they all had all kinds of different themes. And this theme is just one of the many. There's so much application to this specific story and the entire life of Elisha. But I just thought, man, especially during this season where criticism is flying all over the place, how is it that we respond? I leave you with this one last verse, and that is Proverbs 18, 21. Then we're going to receive communion. The tongue can bring death or life Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Curses have consequences. And as we end that thought right there, it leads me to another thought of another curse. 
there was another curse. And this curse that I'm now talking about was the curse that Jesus came to die for. It was the curse of sin, the curse of death. This is why Jesus came to eradicate that curse for whoever wants salvation. And so right now we're going to receive communion together. If you have your elements, grab them right now. And, and due to time, we're going to receive it right now. If you, if you have to run into your kitchen area or into your break room there at your work, just grab a carbohydrate, piece of bread, maybe a tortilla chip, whatever you got, and, and grab some juice or just whatever liquid you have because these are symbols. It's, it's, it's not about the actual physical symbols. It's about the power. It's about the remembrance. And so we're going to receive communion together. I'm going to ask my friend Amber just to give me. Thank you, friend. Oh, you want to hold on to it for a second? Okay, you hold on for a second. But we're going to do that right now. I'm reminded 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Just grab that bread right now. Maybe you're with your spouse. Maybe with your kiddos, a loved one, a friend. Maybe you're alone. Just grab that little piece of bread, that wafer, and hold it to your hand. And I'm reminded, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23, the apostle Paul wrote and he said, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread and he, and he broke it. So come on, just break it. Maybe tear it. He broke it and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you eat this bread, remember. That's what this is all about. Remember. Remember what I'm about to do for you. I'm reminded that on this first Sunday in October, the wackiest, strangest year that any of us have ever gone through. That in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of sickness, injustice, Jesus Jesus is in the middle of all of it. And he has the power to not only get us through this time, but to heal us in the process, man. Maybe, maybe that little thought that I gave about the faithful have flaws, maybe today that, that still resonates with you. Some institution, congregation, church leader, mentor, whoever it was, maybe that person wounded you in some way. I'm telling you right now, as I drop it, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, because of the broken body of Christ, because of the abuse that he allowed himself to endure, you can be healed of that pain, those memories. Sick in your body today, you're watching. I, I know people that are literally in a hospital room right now that are watching live. I want you to know, my brother, I want you to know, my sister, that he has the power to heal you and that's the desire of his heart. So just receive it right now. Come on, lift that bread wherever you're at. And we're gonna give thanks for what, what Jesus did as he took the stripes on his back of those Roman soldiers, those whips, those cat of nine tails that whenever it would hit the back, pieces of uh, broken bone and glass and rocks would stick in, literally in the back of whoever was receiving those lashes. And they would pull, it would rip chunks of, of Jesus' back, literally, this was, this was horrific. He did it for you and me. Come on, let's just thank him. Lord, thank you for your body that was broken. Thank you that because of your broken body, we can now receive healing. Physical healing, mental health healing, spiritual healing in Jesus' name. Come on, let's take it together. Come on, just say thank you, Jesus. Come on, take that cup. Thanks, Amber. Verse 25, chapter 11, 1 Corinthians. Paul goes on to say, in the same way that he took the bread, he reached for the cup. Huge implications that night, that Passover night. The disciples thought that he was going to go through a ritual that they had known for so long that they were raised on. And when he took the cup and he began to speak, different language, different words, the symbol had been changed. And Jesus says, this is my blood. 
It's not, it's not the sacrifice from the lambs that you're so used to. This is, my, this is a symbol of my blood, right? He said, this is a new contract, a new covenant between me and the Father. That because of my shed blood, this is the final sacrifice that you'll ever have to make. You now have access to the Father. And in that moment, he said, remember me. Just like this curse that we are talking about, Jesus came to eradicate the curse of sin and death so that you, my brother, you, my sister, can not only be encouraged and know that when you pass on from this world that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven, in paradise, what is that going to look like? Scripture talks a little bit about it. The details look kind of cool, but man, it's going to be better than what you could ever imagine. And I look forward to that day. But in the meantime, this is also about here on earth. This is about living a life full of purpose and assignment, waking up in the morning, knowing why you were created. And what is that? To do what he's called you to do, to be his hands and his feet, to live out the great commission, Matthew 28. Come on, take that cup. Lord, we thank you for the new covenant. God, we thank you for your blood. May we never lose sight. May, may we never water down the power of the blood of Jesus, the healing that the blood contains, new life, a start over, a do over, a new way of living, purpose, freedom, healing, salvation. God, you did it for us. We thank you that the curse is eradicated out of the life of those who receive it today. You conquered sin. You conquered death, the grave. Jesus' name. Come on, let's take it together. Come on. Come on, just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's good. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.